I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield. Back holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston as we are still on baby watch. What's up, Jesse? You know, eight days from my due date, really feeling it. Could happen at any moment. We're on water-breaking watch. We're on peeing-my-pants watch. It's just, it's really a magical time. Wow. Blue wow. It just sounds like just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah. Do you, were you told the second one, what were you, what were you leading into toll? Will the second one be early or late or, or what were you led to believe? I was led to believe by everyone I know and my doctor that this baby was going to come like two to three weeks early. Like everyone is like, oh my God, your second baby just shoots out, just slides out of your body, is ready to go <laughs> like a month before your due date, blah, blah, blah. Here we are, eight days out, fellas, and guess what? I'm still pregnant, heavily pregnant, okay? <laughs> I had an upper respiratory infection this weekend. Like, I just, it's the hormones that are raging through my body right now. Like, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. It's pretty crazy. Man, so what a wonderful subplot for this entire show now, folks. You, by nature of watching this show, and we got a great one for you today. 
that you can download, subscribe, rate, review, leave a five-star rating for, and check out live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and now on radio on VEASAN from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern each and every day. You listening or watching are now an accomplice to this, so if you see something, say something. You are on Baby Watch here <laughs> with Jesse on the show, as is our friend because it is Wednesday we are back from the Super Bowl she is back from NBA All-Star Weekend so we get to welcome in on this wonderful Wednesday our good friend Charlotte Wilder the co-host of Oddball with Amin El Hassan who is not sliding out of anyone's body but getting back from the city of Indianapolis Charlotte you can answer the question was Indianapolis a good host city for the All-Star game because everybody seemed to want to do city debates yeah uh first of all i just want to say i mean if i sound the way i sound and feel the way i feel coming out of all-star i'm trying to slide back into my own body actually just in general february like we've been doing sports so much since summer at this point like it's exhausting jesse you are you i i have more admiration for you that to, to be doing this eight days away from your due date when this is already like, whoo, okay, we are, this is, we are in it is I just, my hat's off to you. Literally, I don't have a hat on. Um, so I just <laughs> want to put that out there before ah. anything else. Um, yeah. Secondly, Indianapolis, you know, I, I thought it was an adorable, lovely, walkable city. I love the walkability, to be honest. Like everyone was like, I hate it here. It's snowing. And I was like, uh, I ate the St. Elmo shrimp cocktail on camera, which everybody has to look forward to, horseradish just like up into my brain. Um, and I was like, oh, well, this is the craziest thing I've ever eaten. Why did you do this to me on camera? And then I was like, I need more of it. Like you get, anyway, so the shrimp cocktail in Indianapolis, amazing. Also though, I just liked that everything was close and it snowed, so what? Snows everywhere. I'm sort of sick of everybody bashing these cities because it's not like sexy or Vegas where it's just traffic and hot. Like every city has something going for it and it's something not going for it. And, um, you know, my hotel was connected to Lucas Oil, so I didn't have to walk outside for one thing. And that was great. Charlotte, I, I a thousand percent agree with you. I mean, it, it, now when the Super Bowl was there, it was unseasonably warm. So walking around was a lot easier. But I love a venue where you can basically walk, uh, go to the places you want, whether it's St. Elmo's or somewhere else. And by the way, yes, that cocktail sauce is the greatest sinus cleanser there is out there. Absolutely love it. But I, I'm with you. I, I dig it. I like walkable places. Like uh, So I, I, I'm not one of those that would rip a city like that. But I'll ask this next question before we move on to uh, – <laughs> Uh, to some words going on mm -hmm. uh, in the NBA. We know Adam Silver gave that uh, the East that trophy and basically wanted to smash the trophy and walk off the court for how disgusted he was in the game. So in your eyes, does the game change? And if so, what way do you would you think about changing it to make it any more entertaining or to make Adam Silver happy? I mean, my favorite thing was... Gojo was your thread about like funniest ways to change the all-star game because I feel like that's where we're at with this conversation. I don't know what you can do. If players decide that they don't care about this, I really don't know how you can make them care about it other than players deciding they care about it. When you have Anthony Edwards going on the record saying it's the all-star game, I don't think I'm ever going to care about it. That's like... But, 
you know, it's, and, and, and I think that it applies to any team. Like, I think when there's anybody who has decided as a part of a team, I'm not going to care about this because sure, they're individual players. They're from different teams, but they are on one team in terms of selling the NBA to a worldwide audience for all-star weekend. This is something that TNT plays, pays a lot of money to broadcast. And so if you have players being like, yeah, I'm good. Um, there's got to be some sort of reckoning or people are just going to have to realize that the value is going to go down. And I don't know whether you change it or whether this is something that players do to themselves. But if there's something that 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 any group of people are working on together and one of them's just like, I'm out, and then the rest of them start to be like, well, I'm out too – I think people think it's easier to fix that than it is. I think this is a sort of a philosophical crisis within basketball that is not solved with incentives of money or of, um, you know, go to Cancun early if like get another week off. Like it, 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 it feels much more personal and deep seated unless you have younger guys coming along. Um, like the rising stars games were great. If those guys decide that they care. Mm. Um, but I really think it takes leadership within those players or guys who are not like Luka Doncic, who is a wonderful player and I love to watch, but like, Bill Barnwell's tweet about the 2K control, you know, firing up the 2K controls and forgetting how they work. That's how, that's how Luca played. And we know he can play better than that. So personally, and sorry to rant about this, but I was just like, so pissed. I was, I was watching this game and I was like, are you kidding me? Like I, I, as someone, I feel like I try to take pride in my work. I try to work hard. I try to show up every day, even when it does not feel good or easy. And I couldn't imagine being a player out there of their caliber, of their ability, of their pride and of their competitiveness and being like, you know what? I'm fine that everybody's watching this. But but Charlotte, you say you take pride in your work. Your work counts every day. This game doesn't count. This game means but nothing. It does. This game but is it supposed does. It, no, it doesn't. It, it, uh, Charlotte, this game means nothing. The Pro Bowl means nothing. The NHL All-Star game, there's nothing riding on it. Baseball, they tried the ridiculous thing of putting home field for the World Series on it. So, And players don't want to get hurt. So if they play hard, that's a possibility. If you want to rip them for that, okay. But they, the game literally means nothing. I think there's a happy medium, though. I think there's a, happy, I think there's a difference between turning it into a joke and, it, and, and, and trying a little bit, like trying, you know, when you're just walking up and down the court, that to me feels like a difference between, and I get it. I wouldn't want to get hurt either. I completely understand. But if you've decided that something doesn't have value, you know, these guys play in practice every day. They play pickup sometimes. They could get hurt doing that. I understand that getting hurt in the All-Star game would be like, would feel awful given that the, you know, I, I think it was Anthony Davis who said these guys are all important to their team, but I do think it means something in that this represents what this sport is. And it's such a great opportunity coming off of the the Super Bowl to be like, hey, check this thing out. And when it's just, when it just doesn't mean anything, you know, you could say, well, let's call it, but there's too much money involved. So like, what are you going to do? Like it, it ties into the TV contracts. It ties into their salaries. So like it sort of does mean something. 
to an extent, but that's like the fans that say I pay the player salaries where it's so convoluted in the system that gets us to yeah. this point. And when we've all decided collectively as a public that the postseason and rings are the only thing that matters and then players follow suit on that, I can't act all that surprised when it happens. I'll tell you what you need is you need a couple tempo violators because, Dad, you've been a part of a million walkthroughs. And every time you're going through a walkthrough yeah. and you're not in practice, everyone's got their eye out for the young guy that's going a little bit too fast and a little bit too hard that wrecks the entire tempo of the drill. And so you need Victor Wembanyama to come into this game next year busting in like a bull in a china shop and embarrass a couple of dudes. Because I promise all these guys are competitive enough even on a day where they don't want a ball where if someone starts to go out there and look like they're going to embarrass them, they're probably not going to take kindly to that. And that's the kindling you need to start the fire. So you need to count on all this competitive desire that we'll get to with Victor Wembanyama when we talk about face of the league stuff. You need to hope that shows up in the all-star game and that him and a couple of these other young dudes decide to take that thing over and set this thing off a little bit. Uh, so Charlotte, we're glad you made it back from Indianapolis in one piece. I'm glad that you didn't have to deal with what I had to the last time I was in Indianapolis, which was them bringing out an entire bowl of St. Elmo shrimp open in the air in the halftime press box for the halftime of the national no. championship game that was there. Just a big bowl with like two pounds of loose shrimp out in the open in the press box with a bunch of hungry media members is nightmare fuel. I've heard you talk about this. That was St. Elmo's shrimp. That was with, was that? that St. Elmo's shrimp. Was that covered in the cocktail sauce? Oh, it wasn't covered in the cocktail sauce. It was on the side, but it was just a big old bowl of shrimp. That is, you know, at Indianapolis, I really have been trying to ride for you because I feel bad. I don't like when people bash cities because everybody's from somewhere. I just, it really, I really don't like it. Um, I will say Indianapolis leading with a bowl of raw shrimp. I mean, it's not raw, it's cooked, but like shrimp, doesn't shrimp, even when yeah. it's cooked, don't you feel like this is raw shrimp? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Shrimp Definitely. is one of those things that's always raw, no yeah. matter how you prepare it. It's yeah. just like, right. it's raw, it's naked shrimp. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's naked. It's not, it's it's out of its shell, <laughs> you know? It's like me on a vulnerable day. Um, and I just feel like, <laughs> I, I just feel like that's not the thing you want in the press box, but I mean, I can't say enough about that cocktail sauce. That was an experience that made me feel alive. Mm. I but, felt a lot. That made me feel alive oh, yeah. the way that the all-star game did not. So maybe the answer actually is that if you're watching an all-star game and it's just bad, which is whatever, you know, it, and, and I say all of this and I do want to preface that. Like I get, they don't want to get hurt. I get that it might, we might've just jumped the shark and it might be the way things are now. But I think maybe the answer is actually a lot simpler than we've we've thought. You just have to eat a ton of St. Elmo's horseradish cocktail <laughs> sauce while you watch the All-Star game. And you're going to feel alive and it's going to feel like a competition because you're competing with yourself while these guys have a little fun. Speaking of things that made me feel alive, J.J. Reddick. God Ooh. bless you, man. Fill in the content void for the nation. Jesse, our buddy JJ Reddick, who you guys can check out, the old man in the three podcast. You see him all over ESPN. Uh, decided to choose violence yesterday when talking about his whole head coach, Doc Rivers. And boy, the results were magical. Yeah, he doesn't want to hear any excuses from Doc. He made that very clear. So he was on ESPN's first take and he went off on his former coach, who spoke during All-Star Weekend about, like, the difficulties of coming in midseason to take over someone else's job. I've seen the trend for years. What's the trend? The trend is always making excuses. Get Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's hard. We get it. 
Just like getting traded in the middle season is hard for a player. We get it. Mm -hmm. But it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his players. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. And then you look at his quotes over the weekend. Now he wants to take credit for the James Harden trade to the Clippers working out. He wants credit for that. There's just no <laughs> – there's never accountability with that guy. Well, there's never accountability. Well, and it didn't stop there because wow. then we took it to the Twitter streets, okay? Pat Beverly went after him saying, this man, Doc, actually saved your career. Started you when no one else wanted to, and you retire, go on TV and say that. And, you know, he added J.J. Redick, which I love. you got to at the person that you're, you're beefing with on Twitter. And then J.J. Redick came back and said, Pat, my guy had a four-year offer with player option for the same money to be a starter for a different team. FOH saved my career. So... Obviously, Redick played for Rivers uh, with the Clippers 2013 to 2017. He had some of his best seasons under Rivers. He started 265 of 266 games that he played in, put up some of his best stats during that time. But he's got no love here for Doc Rivers. So what do we think, guys? Is, is there some truth to these comments? Do we think that maybe J.J. Redick is saying the quiet part out loud? So I, I do certainly think that there's something to, and Dad, you and I always talk about this. I always trust a player's word on a lot of things that go on inside a locker room. And accountability is one of the very few non-negotiables inside a locker room that if it's there, you recognize, acknowledge, and appreciate it. And if it's not, man, is it glaring, especially when the guy in charge will not put his hand up like the rest of you and say, this was on me. And so I, I think it might have been building to this point for a while. And when we've heard it so overtly from Doc in the last few weeks, because this has popped up in the past, right, Charlotte? We had Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid both toss Ben Simmons under the bus after that postseason game where Ben Simmons' time in seven in Philadelphia was coming to an end. We've seen it pop up in other areas. We know Doc's postseason track record. But my God, this man has gone full Stugat since he's taken over as the Milwaukee's Bucks head coach, letting everybody know, I didn't ask for any of this. I didn't want these problems, but I'm here having to deal with them. And so I can understand if you're a guy like J.J. Redick who believes you saw this as a player and sees it popping up very loudly here in the last couple of weeks, how this might trigger a response like this. Oh, yeah, especially because Doc was an advisor to the Bucks before they fired Adrian Griffin. It, no matter what happened behind the scenes, which I do not know, I do not claim to know, I do not know Doc, I do not know what was happening in that that Bucks organization, but Doc over All-Star Weekend said that when they told him they were firing Adrian Griffin, he was like, well, I don't know that you should do that. And they're like, well, you know what? We did it and we want you. And now he's like, man, that 10 game road, that, that 10 game road trip or, you know, five and one and four, whatever it was. He was like, that was really hard. Like, you know, some of my guys were in Cabo when they played the Grizzlies mentally, like he's saying all of this stuff. And it's like, buddy, the only thing that matters, as JJ said, is that you win. I do. I do think when it comes to what JJ said, that felt to me like there were some things we don't know happening behind right. the scenes and I don't want to guess what that was but I do think that he had the face and the um vigor of someone who has seen some things that has stayed with them in a way that uh I can relate to just in having worked in this business there's some people where you see him and you're like I know what you're up to um and I think that the one thing that I don't want to let go without without passing this back to you guys JJ's use of my guy when responding to Pat Bev was 
Yeah. You can't what you can't argue with him that sorry, Pat Bev, you've been you you've been demoted. Like you're out. The game's over. JJ said, Pat, my guy, I had another offer for the same amount of money. Get out of here. I you guys have have you ever heard a better use of my guy? It really it stuck with me. It was a good one. It, it was a good use. And Charlotte, I, I agree with you that when you say something like this, you wonder what else, if is there something else? So just because somebody had their best years with a certain coach doesn't always mean it was great going on behind the scene. So, and, and I'm with you. I'm not speculating. I don't know what will be interesting because remember, that coach in Orlando and Boston, the Clippers, the 76ers, and now Milwaukee, I'll be interested if other former players will come out and back any of that. Because Mike, like you said, you know, is he saying the thing out loud that other people aren't saying? And we'll find that out in a, in a day and age where even current players, you know, have their podcasts and speak out. I'll be interested if any current who used to have him as a coach or former come out about and, and talk about this as well. And, you know, then there's the other side of it, however much you want to go into it. What, three and seven going to the All-Star break? Or, yeah, in 10 games, seven of those games, they didn't have their normal starting lineup. Uh, Chris Middleton sprained his ankle February 6th, hasn't been back. You know, Lillard's missed a little bit of time. So, the, so do you want to use that? But it's more about his words and who he, what he says when you normally have what a coach says to what he says at times. There are some people out there that will say, you know what, that's refreshing to hear. Go ahead and call somebody out that's, you know, people maybe who aren't involved in sports to say, you know what, you shouldn't do that. You don't do that. That's stuff that you do behind closed doors. But maybe some people are 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 happy that he does that. Like I said, I think hearing from former players will be interesting. And, and the, the gods may, Mike, may have answered all our prayers. Because as we get ready to start the last part of the season, uh, Mr. J.J. Uh, uh, Reddick may be calling a Bucks game. I'll give you more on that after this. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Michael Jr., Michael Oak Sr., Jesse Cofield, and Charlotte Wilder. Our shouts to J.J. Reddick for bridging the content gap post-Super Bowl and All-Star break before we get yep. back to these games on Thursday and dad while we've talked about JJ Reddick's beef with Doc Rivers and we will hear the rebuttal from Doc's son Austin Rivers uh in just a second here 
you pointed out that we have a chance. So we have got a lot of weird crossover in this beef and that Doc Rivers was recently an ESPN employee and he was on the A crew with Doris Burke and Mike Breen that was going to be calling the finals and is the top crew at ESPN. And when he left was announced that JJ Reddick would be taking over that spot. And now it all led us to wondering, huh, is there any chance that we could get this beef elevated to broadcast level? And dad, you pointed out we might actually have a schedule that allows for this to happen. Yep, so the, the last part of the season, I won't say the second half because we're well past the halfway point, starts t- tomorrow. But on Friday, you have an ESPN game, Cavaliers and 76ers, 7.30 Eastern, and then 10 o'clock Eastern, Milwaukee and Minnesota. Now, I'd imagine that top crew will be on the 7.30 game, but I mean, you got to move them, right? For, for, for an era now of media that loves drama and yelling more than anything else, you got to do this. I mean, J.J. took over for Doc on the top crew here, and now he can go and call a Milwaukee game of which he just, you know, had some things to say about the coach. So how great would that be in the product? Walking into that, Mike, you know the production meetings. You have a production meeting. You're talking to the coach and some players of how that might go. It is. So it's the 1 p.m. game on Sunday. Is that Milwaukee? Oh, no, that's the Milwaukee 76ers game. You're looking even earlier than that. We've got the Bucks, Minnesota. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at Friday. I'm looking the AB. Friday. Yeah, there's one on Friday. So we've got multiple opportunities this weekend because the Bucks also do play on ABC on Sunday. So you're right. I'm with any of that. However, you've got to pull the strings because Charlotte, part of this does like feel like media mastery where we had all of this hit the timeline the other day at a time. We very rarely needed it. We had so many different people chiming in on this and then they're not slick. I noticed this right away. The old man in the three, whoever runs their social account, mwah, beautiful. Immediately after this starts lighting the timeline up, we get the tweet from JJ Reddick's podcast social media that says, we're doing a mailbag tomorrow. Me and Tommy Alter, submit your questions below. I can't imagine what people are going to want to talk about in the traffic that drove. It's beautiful. I just think, I think that JJ is a media genius. I think what he has done with the old man in the three, what he's done with YouTube and what the team he's surrounded himself with, shout out Jason Gallagher, who who built that YouTube channel. Um, I think that they have taken, it is very difficult. People see a lot of podcasts of, of former athletes and they're like, well, people just must listen to them because they're former athletes. And it's like, well, you know, it it takes a lot to break through that gap with with coming not through the traditional media funnels at this point. And I think that what JJ has managed to do is because he talks about basketball so intelligently, like he knows what he's he he knows how to interview players to get stuff out of them, but also challenge them, but also not make them feel attacked. Like there is such an art to that. So the fact that this came on a Tuesday of the All-Star break when there's not a whole lot going on makes me think, you know, I think it was organic. I think that JJ is a very authentic person, so I don't think he would do something just to do something. But I think that it was, uh, we needed this today. Look how much we're talking about this. We haven't even gotten to what Austin Rivers said yet. This This set forth an avalanche of content that we only could have dreamed of this week. And you know what, old man in the three, ride that mailbag home. Send that to the North Pole. Like, get Santa involved. This is, I am just, this is a master class. And, um, and, and the fact that Austin Rivers then hopped in, can, can we talk about that, guys? 
Can we talk about what he said? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Austin Rivers putting, I mean, this is a, this is a father and son show, so it's only right yeah. that we play the son, the son going out here and trying to defend his daddy on national TV. And that's what Austin Rivers did yesterday on ESPN. He got to go and say his piece on behalf of his dad and remind you, him and J.J. Redick, both Duke guys, he references as much here. There's plenty of crossover, and Austin tries to thread the needle here in the response. Take a listen. In terms of accountability, like what, what are we doing here? Your best years in the NBA were when you played for him in the Clippers. Let's not forget that. I don't know if there's like frustration there or there's tension there between you. I know a lot of times we had to sit you towards the end of the game due to defensive reasons, but you had your best years as a starter there, especially our whole system was drafted around you because you're a shooter. You're not a guy who could put the ball on the floor. You were a strictly shoot guy. You're not like Clay Thompson or Steph who could put the ball on the floor. You were a guy who could catch and shoot, and you did it at a high level. Hell of a career, by the way. Big fan. But your best years were under him. It's just very ironic and kind of weird that you have this energy towards him in terms of him never, ever being accountable, <laughs> considering he's always been responsible. Uh, okay, <laughs> guys. First of all, the beauty of this is that JJ said Doc is not held accountable and always has an excuse. And then Austin Rivers comes in with all these excuses and all these reasons that JJ is wrong about his dad, even though it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And the, 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 the play, the, he chose violence when he said, we had to sit you. We, oh, we, Austin? Yeah. We're, uh, I've got, I mean, I'm speechless. Is there a mouse in your pocket? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, ah. It's incredible, Dad. Charlotte's right. This started because he started saying, hey, like, you're my Duke brother, like all that. I got plenty of respect for your right. career. And this is the difficult part. And this is something you and I talked about a lot when I got out and started doing commentaries. I didn't make it nearly as far in my sport as so many of the people I was going to talk about. And so there's this fine line of how to be critical of people that were more successful than you in the thing that you do. And for Austin Rivers here to come out here and take the chopper, like J.J. Redick has enough of a resume like we saw against Pat Beverly to say both financially and productivity wise hey i was pretty damn good at this thing for a long time and so if you want to start to come and go check for check or stat for stat i'm going to be able to hold my own in a bunch of arguments south of the tnt set where Shaq just rings everybody into oblivion and you've got hall of fame resumes all over the place but it makes moments like this pretty interesting because austin rivers was not the player that jj reddick was and yet he's coming here in defense of his dad and clearly feels some type of way about this and couldn't help but veer into making it personal I, I loved how he talked about, you know, what, what a good player he was, but basically call him, you're a one-trick pony, right? You <laughs> catch a ball and you shoot. That's all that you can do. And, and as I said earlier, even if your best years are somewhere, doesn't mean it's always the best situation, um, for sure. So I don't know, as we alluded to earlier, is there something more to this, the way J.J. went into it, or do more players feel like this? So... I, I, I don't know where this is going to go. I mean, I, I have no idea. Um, but, but Doc is not short on, on wanting to talk. Doc, we know, has mentioned players and, uh, for lack of a better term, ha term, has thrown some under the bus. And we're just not used to that out of coaches. So I don't know where this goes, but I'm, Charlotte, I'm with you. I'm happy it went there because we're looking for material. We're looking for content before this next part of the, the NBA season starts after the Super Bowl. And Mr. J.J. Reddick provided it for us. We'll see where this goes.
I so I do think the one thing that could be like a tangible result from this because you're right it, it feels hyper local unless we see more players come out and back JJ Redick up and offer up a similar right. idea or perspective on Doc Rivers the one thing I will wonder is this happened loudly on the biggest platform that ESPN has in first take I do wonder if now all of a sudden some more people go hey you know what some of this stuff Doc's saying is kind of a little out of pocket. The fact that he took this job still, but has then loudly complained about it ever since to anybody who asked, and I'm sure we'll line up to take credit if this turns around and goes well, maybe more people now will be wired to notice that, and it'll change the way. We talked the other day about how we're going to grade Dame Lillard down the stretch. Charlotte, this might change the way that people perceive Doc Rivers as he goes into an incredibly important stretch of their season. Yeah, and I think he is. He, I do not think he was very savvy when he said the things he said over All Star Weekend. I think he got a little too comfortable with himself. I think he might have forgotten how many people were going to hear what he said when he said, I told them, don't fire the coach while he is the advisor and then he gets a job. That just drew so much more attention because the minute that I heard he got the job, I was like, well, he was advising the Bucks. So, like, and then you sort of like, okay, well, maybe, I don't know what happened. And then this is like, oh, now everybody is going to be thinking about that and remembering that. And uh, yeah, it, it excuse city, baby. Let's see where we can go. Doc Rivers got in that media chair, got a little bit comfortable. And like Sean Payton before this last football season, forgot which hat he was wearing and started popping off here. Classic. Happens to the best of us, brother. That's what it is. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. to Gojo and Golik. Let's get romantic, you guys. Okay, so over All-Star Weekend, we were treated to the epic bromance that is Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic. It was amazing. They were being goofy as hell the whole time. It was fun to watch. Now, after the All-Star game, Jokic was asked by the media, he was like, I mean, do you ever plan on teaming up with this dude in your career, possibly? And he gave a very honest answer. He said, I don't know. It's possible. I don't want to leave Denver. I like it there, and it's a great organization. But if Luka gets pissed off in Dallas, he can come. So, guys, that was sort of like the old – he's like, yeah, he can come here. I'm not leaving. I like it here. Uh, but he could certainly come join me. Shirley, did you see any of their, like, antics together over the weekend? I mean, it was really funny to watch. 
You know, I wasn't there for it. Uh, unfortunately, I don't. I was probably eating shrimp cocktail somewhere in a you know <laughs> upstairs room of Saint Elmo. Um, but I do think that whenever there are players who are from different teams goofing around together at a time where that is what you're supposed to be doing, I guess, because that's what we're doing now for All Star. Um, it, it it's a beautiful thing, and I think. I don't know how serious I will believe their friendship is until we see Luca at a carriage racing event in Serbia mm. with Doncic, which, yeah. you know, that could happen. That could happen. I mean, listen, so, it's an incredible pairing of highly skilled, unathletic whites who got together on the backboard <laughs> of the European varietal European and whites. did yeah. what we see happen at all-star games a lot, which is star players getting to interact in a way that looks like it could influence the future of the NBA. The one utility all-star weekend might still have, by the way, is the fact that it's a chance for a lot of these star players in the middle of the season to get extended time together where they can start to plot. And we come out of all-star weekend every year with something like this. Hell, all of the recent LeBron James to Golden State stuff, I could argue you could trace back to the all-star game a few years ago that I believe was in Cleveland where Steph and LeBron are palling around and they look like the Rocky and Apollo montage. They're laughing and they're high-fiving and they're doing all this stuff here. And dad, for a guy in Luka Doncic, it's not totally far-fetched now things have gone better this year with Kyrie Irving in tow but at the end of last season remember we had Tim McMahon over at ESPN talking about hey Luca has expressed frustrations privately with this organization and there was a fear and part of the reason they took the gamble on Kyrie is because they had constantly tried to bring in a running mate for Luca that had failed to live up and support him in the way that we know a lot of these star players go I either need to see or I'm going to start to explore my options so it's not the craziest thought in the world so let me let me for a moment take a step back and let's talk about the other person. Okay, we've seen Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in a bunch of commercials together, right? And one of them's a Subway commercial where Patrick's talking about the churro or the pretzel or the cookie that goes along with the with the sandwich and says, This is the best sidekick I ever had. And then they go to Travis Kelsey looking at him saying, Not cool, bro. That's Jamal Murray right now. Jamal Murray's looking at, at, at uh, Jokic and going, dude, not cool. You know, I'm the point guard of this team, and you're talking about, hey, Luca, if you get ticked off in Dallas, come over here. Now, I know Jamal Murray's deal ends after next year, so we'll see what happens, but that was my thought as I'm like, not only is he the dude with you, but you guys won the NBA championship together. So, and now... Here's, here's the Joker talking about openly somebody else at your position. That's what I took away from this. Not going to lie. I, I do think that there, when you think about what Jokic and Doncic together would look like basketball wise, it would be, I don't know that it would be like anything we've ever seen in terms of style of play and attitude combined. Do you know what I mean? Like there is a, there is a sort of um, I'm just here so I don't get fined vibe about both of them, even though Jokic takes it to a place. I think Jokic does it almost more endearingly um, or more successfully uh, with a fan base. I think that um, it, it would I can't even I'm trying to imagine it like in a competitive situation where these two are just like we like, can you imagine Jokic just like 
behind the back, you know, left up upside down passes to Luca, you know, shooting from the logo. Like I, it would be, it would be circus basketball at the highest level. I, Mike, I would love to see it. It'd be, uh, listen, we know basketball-wise, both of them, savants, they're like hitting a knuckleball because neither of them is moving at the speed or with the power that you're used to seeing around the NBA. But Charlotte, to your point, Luke, or, uh, Nikola Jokic has been able to navigate that sort of laissez-faire attitude with the game because he's been the best player in the world for the last number mm-hmm. of years. It's amazing how much easier it is for a fan base and the media to stomach that when you're out there balling like he is and you don't seem to need to care in the process, but with both of these guys, it it leans into a conversation that got had over the rest of all-star game by a lot of the stars and current faces of the league, guys like Steph Curry and LeBron James that got asked basically about who's next, because we're starting to see the mortality of LeBron James, of Steph Curry, and of a bunch of the old guard that's lived up to the NBA. And Luka Doncic was one of the names that they brought up. Charlotte, I don't know if you being around all-star weekend and seeing the fans out there, I always think this is interesting is what the crowd throws back at you is who they're there to support. Obviously going to be incredibly Therese Halliburton friendly being that it's in Indianapolis, but between some of the names brought up, Luka Doncic, Anthony Edwards, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Devin Booker, Donathan Mitchell, obviously Victor Wembanyama. Does there seem to be someone, Charlotte, that's clearly tagged to be next that's not only going to be a great player but can be someone the league markets around the way they do these guys? Charlotte, don't, I mean, forget, I... don't forget that Devin Booker dated Kendall Jenner. Okay. Thank you, Jesse. Oh, Thank you. I don't think I could forget <laughs> if I tried. I don't think I could forget if I tried. Um... I feel like Jason Tatum, they are already starting to do this. I saw a lot of signage around All-Star Weekend um, that made him, it made it feel like that's who they're sort of trying to go all in as a league marketing perspective. I don't know that Tatum has the wackiness or or there he he's so good and there's not really a caveat to that in a way that I feel like you sort of want. I, I think to be a star... You either have to be like LeBron so good in a way that we've never seen before or that we've seen from MJ, obviously, but like in different ways. And and he's played for so long and he's been goofy and, and sort of lame sometimes and then sort of fun sometimes. And then Tatum's like pretty down the middle. I actually think I have an answer that might seem surprising, but I think Jalen Brunson is actually somebody who could move the needle in a way um, – that people might not expect. I think that sometimes fans rally around a guy who Jalen Brunson works so hard and plays such hard nosed basketball that he's ideal for the Knicks fan base. Knicks fans are obsessed with him for what he's done for this team, how he's been as a leader, how much emotion he plays with in a way that feels very, he's really grateful for it, I think. And I, I mean, Knicks fans are everywhere. So Maybe that's why the cheers were so loud for him at Saturday night at the skills competition. But I think this guy is slowly winning fans over across the league. And if he keeps playing, if the Knicks make it far, if they make it far next year, if this has some longevity to it, he has all these buddies that he played college ball with that are on his team that he razzes back and forth. Like, I think he could be a sleeper face of the league in a way that people didn't want to think Steph was in a way. I, I think it's going to need to be a team that goes near the top. That's why we're talking about Tatum right now. But but I agree. What what more is there with Luca? I mean, again, there's the don't care much attitude that I don't think is gonna is gonna help out there. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm with you on, on Brunson. I, I get that with, with as emotional as he in. Tyrese Halliburton, if they can get the Pacers going, I mean, is that a guy, you know, that could be that guy? And then are we forgetting about the, the biggest guy out there in, in Wemby, Victor yeah. Wembanyama well, yeah, on a team like, that's yeah. horrible? Yeah. I, I do feel like that's the best answer to this question because to Charlotte's point, what it requires to be the face of the league is either overwhelming dominance the way that we saw with Jordan for so long, you know, the signature shoes that follow with that Kobe Bryant's intensity and the Mamba mentality, LeBron James in an era giving more of himself. And I think with all of that combined, you still need that initial draw. And that's why Giannis has been that guy for so long. Incredible physical draw personality. Wembenyama, by all accounts, seems to be the guy that has that intrinsic motivation to be great, the ability to do so, and giving enough of his personality to be considered the face of the league. to Gojo and Golik. Guys, Matthew Slater, who holds the NFL record for most special teams Pro Bowl appearances with 10, announced his retirement on Tuesday after 16 seasons. His bio is wild. Selected by the Pats in the fifth round. He spent his entire career with New England. 10 Pro Bowl appearances, like we said, most by a special teamer. Played 239 games with the Pats. Second in team history behind the Tom Brady. Won three Super Bowls. Franchise's all-time leader in special teams tackles. Patriots team captain for 13 straight seasons. He posted a very lengthy goodbye on social media saying, I've given all that I possibly can to respect and honor the game, though it's time for my relationship with the game to evolve. The love I have for it will last a lifetime. Charlotte, a Pats legend, hanging him up, hanging the cleats up. It's it's bittersweet. A Pats legend, Jesse. Um, people forget that Matthew Slater played a huge part in Tom Brady's TB times. Now, I, it's been a minute since I've talked about the TB times on air, um, which, you know, I've just been waiting for a chance to do. It was Tom Brady's fake newspaper um, that he posted on social media after every Patriots win. Matthew Slater wasn't one of the first ones after they beat Cleveland. He appeared in a a little uh, graphic about the the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It said like Pat's rock out in Cleveland. And um, I just remember, I think Brady has spoken very highly of Slater in the past, but that's how broken my brain is by the internet that I saw Matthew Slater retired. And I was like, he was in a lot of the TV times graphics, which I mean, is no disrespect because this man has a, has a resume that is so impressive. And he did so much for this team. He was a leader in the locker room. I think he was beloved by the, you know, he sort of spanned two generations of players. Um, and he felt like a constant for new England fans in a way that uh, I don't don't think we've had that much of in the past four years. So it feels like an end of an era. Um, thank you. Thank you, Matthew, for everything you did. I'm excited to see what's next for him, guys. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I need the Hall of Fame voter, voters to get their blank together mm -hmm. because while we have very few punters, kickers, and now we have a return man in Devin Hester, we don't have a special team player. And, and, and that's a joke. That's a joke from you voters out there to not put some of these guys in the Hall of Fame. Matthew Slater should be in without question, but I'll cape for another guy that was my teammate for a year. Ninth round pick in 1985, 
was with me in Houston for a year or two, Steve Tasker, and then most of his career was with Buffalo. And as a special teamer, he was a seven-time Pro Bowler. He was a five-time first-team All-Pro. So you guys get off your asses and start voting in these people that have that have something that they gave to this game, even though it's on special teams. And we, we I know we all, all joke about, oh, let's go get your soda during the special team or whatever. There, there are guys that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Slater deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Steve Tasker deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So let's open our eyes, you voters, a little wider to those that have, that have made an impact on a game and deserve to have a gold jacket. Uh, yeah, I think if there's someone that's going to test the limits of this, it's going to be what we've seen from Matthew Slater. And he's got all the bona fides. He's got all the people in Belichick and Brady and others. They're going to back him up for what he was as a consistent force on the Patriots special teams units for so long at the highest level that we've ever seen. So uh, a big congratulations for him, a guy that Charlotte said, in addition to playing a huge role in the TB Times, also won three Super Bowls with them and was a pretty damn good player and representative for that organization. Uh, and we wish him well in retirement. Let's get to the real stuff now here. Charlotte Wilder joins this show <laughs> once a week, and usually when she does, some sort of reality TV has been consumed in the process. It's time for a reality check with our friend Charlotte Wilder, and we happen to be right now in the throes of season six of Love is Blind. For anyone that is unfamiliar, a reality dating show where the entire premise is you don't get to see the person that you're dating while you are dating. It ends in a proposal before the two of you ever set eyes on each other, and then the calamity ensues. Season six mm -hmm. has taken place in Charlotte, North Carolina, and really, it's got one main player. Now, Charlotte and I have watched all this. The six episodes have been out. Seven, eight, and nine have dropped this morning, and so we'll be getting updated on that. We're in the middle of this, but the one thing that is broken contain on this season has been one particular contestant's very favorable celebrity doppelganger that she gave herself. Chelsea, one of the contestants on this season who was caught in, as I heard Mina Kimes dub it, a love square with four, mm -hmm. three other contestants in the middle of one of the dates where again, you're isolated in these pods. You can't see each other. You're just talking and trying to build this emotional connection. Charlotte, she offers up of her own accord and asks the guy that she's talking to named Jimmy. Hey, have you ever been compared to any celebrities? Cause there's always this weird tension about people trying to fish for physical nuggets, things they can hold on to of what this person might look like as they try and match it with the voice in their head. She offers that up out there and then says that she has been told by people that she looks like Megan Fox. And you can see the look on Jimmy's face when she says that, Charlotte. So uh, what was your interpretation or what was your read on this as you watched it happen and how it's aged so far in the uh, three episodes we've seen since? Uh, first of all, I want to say, not in defense of Chelsea, but I could see how people could say that. She has some of the attributes, some of her physical features look like Megan Fox's, the shape of her nose, and the she, long And she face. did clarify that it was because she had bright eyes and dark hair. She said that's the only yeah. comparison, but she had gone out of her way to introduce this already, so I'm not going to absolve her totally here. Oh, no, 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 no. The minute I heard her say this and I saw Jimmy's face, he was Megan Fox. He made his decision right then and there. He made his decision right then and there, and then Jess sort of, sort of took it. She was like, you are going to choke when you see me. Which to me was a little bit of like when you choose Chelsea and then you see me. I was like, not that a little mean. I don't know. There's a lot going on here. I want to say I think Jimmy um, is sort of like a piece of white bread soaked in milk. Uh, if I had to describe somebody, um, he is 
it always cracks me up when you see these people who are caught in these triangles and you're like, Ugh, you know so much more than they do in the moment. And you're like, he he can't make up his mind. He's not terribly interesting. Um, maybe he's got a little more charisma once they get to a tropical locale. But I, I, I saw that, Mike. I heard her say that and saw Jimmy's face. And I was like, he has made up his mind. I think my main takeaway from this season, as it is from all seasons, is that no. Love is not blind. And they choose even when they can't see people based on what they think these people look like. Let, let me ask you a question, both of you a question, because she did say I was truly humbled by the internet. Internet, Go on a show to find love and get your ass dragged instead. And she was asking for people who had made that comparison, please come out publicly and say it again. Regardless of that, she did say, and talking to Access Hollywood, that what that wasn't the whole story and something that wasn't, and I don't know if you guys heard this, that the guy, and I don't know the guy because I haven't been watching this, the guy said he looked like Christian McCaffrey from San Francisco. So does Stop he it. or was he, you know, overreaching? Stop it. He. Oh, yeah. That's he was what, definitely overreaching. Why isn't he getting dragged? Just, this just comes back to... Like, you just don't compare, you don't say that your celebrity doppelganger is one of the hottest people alive. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, don't say your celebrity doppelganger is anyone. I feel like that's, that's the way to go, all right? Well, and again, I she's the one that brought this up. Like, that's the thing I come back to in all of this is no matter what he did, and you know how it is, the way people in conversation will initiate and ask a question when they really just want to give their answer. Like, oh, so have you been on any interesting vacations lately? Knowing full well they just went to Japan and they really want to let you know about their great time. That's the exact reason that she brought this up here. So, Charlotte, that's why I, I have very little sympathy. She's had fun with it oh. on social media since she's done right by it. But at the end of the day, you made your own bet here. Yeah, and she said it so he would choose her. She said it knowing that he would choose her if she said it, and he did. And I also think that this this brings up another thing. You can't trust anything these people say or anything the way the show is edited. I wish they had left in the Christian McCafferty part. That feels a little messed up that they'll throw this woman under the bus, but then they'll edit out the Jimmy line. Love is Blind, it feels like if you really want to, if you're like, I want to go to therapy for the rest of my life because I have severe issues, <laughs> I'm going to go on Love is Blind. <laughs> Terrible decision. Don't do it. Thank you, though, because I love watching it. It makes me feel awful. I don't know. I'm very, blah. Yeah. Therapists everywhere writing glowing reviews of this show to make sure business stays booming. Business always booming here when Charlotte joins us. Check out Oddball with her and Amin El Hassan. Plenty of great content coming off All-Star Weekend. Charlotte, thank you, bud. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.